was a, an entire generation of kids who thought that was the first Halloween movie. They didn't know about the 78 movie with John Carpenter. And they're like, uh, what? And then they watch my fan films and go, excuse me, he never drove before. What movie did Michael Myers drive? I go, uh, all eight sequels. <laughs> Sorry, all seven sequels because he wasn't in Halloween 3. So all seven movies he drove. But you wouldn't know that, you dumbass, because you didn't, you know, look up the movie beforehand. Hey guys, it is Tristan with Nerdette's Newsstand, and I am so excited. I have been looking forward to this interview for a very long time, and I have with us Chris R. Oh boy. Can you say your last name finally? <laughs> Chris Notarelli. The Blinky Productions. Chris, Chris R. Notarelli from Blinky 500 or Blinky Productions. He's on YouTube. He's also on all social media. I will link his channel in the description so you guys can check it out. He also has quite a few comics on Amazon Kindle. I got to check those out. And uh, a massive IMBD. So we're going to pick his brain on what it is like to be a filmmaker, what it is like to take these amazing characters we talk about almost every single day in our lives and make them come to life and do different perspectives on characters. And honestly, it's quite amazing. So in your bio, you mentioned how Hollywood kind of ruined your childhood, right? And you are creating content that is opposite of that. Is that what made you want to start making fan films dedicated to your favorite characters? Is that Was that your inspiration? If not, what was it? Uh, I definitely say uh, that's a big part of it. Um, it's not so much that Hollywood ruined my childhood, for example. I'm not one of those people. Um, it's that I feel that these characters uh, were not given justice. Uh, and I want to, you know, I one thing I hate the most is when there is an official Hollywood interpretation of something and they completely miss the mark on the character. Oh, absolutely. The entire generation grows up thinking that's what the character is. And I, I, I don't like that. I, I think, and you know, for example, uh, the Rob Zombie Halloween remake. There was a, an entire generation of kids who thought that was the first Halloween movie. They didn't know about the 78 movie with John Carpenter. And they're like, uh, what? And then they watch my fan films and go, excuse me, he never drove before. What movie did Michael Myers drive? I go, uh, all eight sequels. <laughs> Sorry, all seven sequels because he wasn't in Halloween 3. So all seven movies he drove. But you wouldn't know that, you dumbass, because you didn't you know, look up the movie beforehand. So I feel that when I make a, a fan film, um, I want to be able to present the character in their original state, how, how they were designed or created or how they should be. Uh, Mr. Terrific was a, another example. Uh, Arrow did him dirty. And you know he really was just not what we as an audience expect Mr. Terrific to be. So I wanted to really play him up to his strengths and give him a keen intellect, um, uh, temperament, and just have the guy be, you know, awesome, terrific, you know? I love that. See, and I just recently got into it about the whole Batman killing thing, right? And I've got people going, well, Batman kills. He killed in his first issue. I'm like, but for 80 years, he didn't. Like, it's it's a constant battle with people that pick and choose what sources instead of Here's actually using a whole large continuity. Batman has killed, but that's not right. part of who Batman is. 
Right, exactly. Traits of the character are he does not kill unless he has to, and if he does kill, he didn't want to in the first place. Batman doesn't. He's he's not the Punisher. He doesn't just pick up guns and shoot people and quip one-liners. And um, before they retconned it and said no, Batman doesn't kill. And the whole point of it is that he doesn't want to. And if you're saying, oh yeah, well Batman kills, get over it. Yeah, but that's not. He's not going out every night with the intent of killing. The intent is to not kill. So you have to have that be part of the character. One of my biggest problems with um, Ben Affleck's Batman was that he was driving around like it was Grand Theft Auto, yeah, exactly. mowing down people. Yeah, and it's like, dude, whoa, where's this coming from, man? <laughs> exactly. You're throwing guys on top of grenades. I don't care how cool the fight looks. I don't care how cool the costume looks. I don't care if Ben Affleck has the perfect jaw for it. That's not what Batman does. He's doing what the Punisher would do in a cape. It doesn't work that way. Exactly. And that's what, and that's why I said, like a lot of it is that's what separates him from the people he's out to get. Right. He, he's still kind of that little boy that saw his parents shot down. So that's yeah. not what he wants to essentially do to someone else. And, and, I, and I think that uh, pick some of the comics and everything and say, well, he killed in this issue, obviously. But again, um, and if someone even tried to do the Dark Knight Returns, how he had a gun, I'm like, he literally has a monologue at the end of the book saying, yep. Guns are the weapon of the enemy. We're not or the enemy of cowards or the weapon of cowards. Thank you. Yes. And so there is, so to say that it, Batman kills, that's an action, but it's not the character. Exactly. Exactly. I get exactly what you mean. So as far as your content, when I was going over, I, I went over a, a bunch of it that I hadn't seen before, but you do seem to prefer DC over Marvel when it comes to your comic fan films. Is that intentional? Is it something um, that draws you to those characters specifically? It's definitely a little bit more on the subconscious level, just because I do feel that while Marvel has really good movies and very compelling mm -hmm. stories, I feel that the characters in DC are a little bit more iconic and superhero-esque. I agree, um, yep. Superman is an archetype. Batman is an archetype. Captain America technically is an archetype but he's specific to america superman is a world hero batman or uh, captain america is is an american hero and i and i find that's kind of the problem spider-man is a new york hero uh batman is relative to gotham but he does go around the world but like superman specifically is a world hero yeah he's a metropolis but he travels he can fly around the world he can do all these things the flash can run around the world and do all these things and um I feel that as heroes, they're a little bit more pure as characters versus someone like Spider-Man with a sick aunt, or at least when Aunt May used to be old. Now she's hot and young, but um, <laughs> there was that. There was the dating. There was being a teenager. Um, with Clark Kent, it's he 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 fight, stands for truth, justice, in the American way. That was who he was, and. No matter what interpretation of Superman you get, even when you get a dark version of Superman, he's still supposed to represent that. Whereas Captain America, he has, you know, he's supposed to represent, you know, truth, justice in the American way. But even um, he has problems with how America handles itself. But yes, he does. He is, definitely. Because he is Captain America, he has a harder time breaking free from that that mold, you know? Yep, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, when I just... We were recently talking about it with the new Captain America. A lot of people going around saying, oh, Captain America hates America now. Like, 
Have you read the character? He's always kind of went back and forth with it. How many times has he quit? You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Oh, Nomad, for Christ's sake. In the 70s, oh, yeah. Rogers was Nomad for at least at least five years. That, yeah. That's forever in comic time. time. Yeah. yeah. So that's anybody who complains and says that Captain America hates America has never read a goddamn comic the same as those people who have Blue Lives Matter flags on top of Punisher skulls never read a Punisher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Punisher's not supposed to be what you want to be. Ever. I know. It's so funny to see that because it's like Punisher is psychotic. Like, come Punisher on, guys. Is, uh, I, I summed it up best in my Punisher web series. Uh, Daredevil confronts him and says, you were a soldier without a war to fight, so you made one. I love and that. That is essentially the Punisher yep. in a nutshell. Um, exactly. In the, the Bourne, the Bourne graphic novel by Garth Ennis, um, he basically becomes that. And I wanted to really echo that, that this man went to Vietnam. He did four tours in Vietnam. Nobody mm -hmm. does four willing tours in <laughs> exactly. Vietnam. Unless you have a death wish. And that's oh, my God. Yeah, so... Um, I guess you could kind of look at Punisher as a proto John Wick. Yeah, yeah. All of you know, and I I never watched really the John Wick film. So I my basic understanding is it all started over a dead dog. Like it's, it's I mean that so that's crazy. The, the thing was that the uh the the dog was the final gift given to him by his wife who died of cancer. Uh -huh, that makes a lot yeah. more sense. His wife was the reason he got out of being a professional hitman, assassin, whatever what have you, and he found happiness for five whole years. And then she dies of cancer. And as she, uh, on her deathbed, she buys this dog and has it shipped to him after she's dead. So it's the last gift that oh my she goodness. gave to him. And these fucking punks murder the dog and he goes ape shit. Oh my gosh. See, context helps. Context, context helps a really lot. Context helps, yeah. <laughs> um, because... And I talked to you a little bit about this beforehand. Something I love about your work is you, you look at it from an outsider's perspective. A lot of people show you know, a, a found film from Superman or from Batman or from Wonder Woman, you take that outsider's perspective and you really tackle hard subjects. What exactly inspired you to look kind of from the outside looking in? And it's amazing, but I was curious what, um, how did you choose the social topics to cover and what inspired you? Okay, so that really comes from um, understanding what is out there and then not doing any of it. Um, I, it, all right, anytime somebody makes a Batman fan film, I guarantee you there's going to be a mugging or rape in an alley that gets averted by Batman. Oh yeah. And it's the standard scenario, you know, a purse snatching and then stop right there, you fiends. Like it's, it's, it's almost, <laughs> It's almost, uh, it's, a, it's such a cliche that you can parody it to some extent. And I myself have literally parodied it before. And it's avoiding all of those moments and then doing something um, deeper with the character, understanding pathology and psychologies that go into doing these things. So who is Superman? Who is Clark Kent? Who is Kal-El as a person? Who is Bruce Wayne? Who is Batman? And understanding their dynamic and treating them just as actual people So and, and what they represent. So we're going to obviously get into the perspectives, I'm assuming here, with um, Batman. What is Batman? What is the purpose of dressing up in a bat suit, running around at night, and beating criminals to a pulp with your fists? 
how does one, what, what is the intent of doing that? Fear, it's about fear, yep. terrorizing people and scaring them into being good. Scared straight, essentially, is a good way to look at it. Batman has taken that to the nth degree by mm -hmm. literally going out there and scaring people straight. And I go, how can you inspire a person by scaring someone straight? And then you look at, um, you know, people who've had near-death experiences and they go, oh my God, I saw the light. I had a near-death experience. Now I'm going to change my life and, 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 and do better. Jigsaw from the Saw franchise essentially does the same thing. You know, he scares people to death because they've literally survived death and now they appreciate life better. Fight Club was another one with the human sacrifice uh, ritual with uh, right. Raymond K. Hessel, where it's like, I'm going to blow your brains out if you don't go to college, Raymond. So I took that perspective from Batman and applied it to a scenario, Batman literally scaring a junkie sober. Um, with Superman, you have to go in the exact opposite direction. Superman is hope. Everyone has always said the S represents hope. He himself has said that. How does one inspire hope? Well, in every Superman story, he's punching a hole through a wall, and he's always using his brawn. He's never using his heart, especially with Man of Steel. There was yeah. no heart to that movie. So I said, what if you could have a Superman movie without one shred of superpower? And I went in that direction instead. I, go, I love that. It's not about Superman flying or catching somebody even. It's just about him being your friend. Because Superman is your friend. He's everyone's friend. And um, there was that, uh, uh, the, the issue, um, forgetting the issue, it might have been All-Star Superman, where he's sitting with that kid. Uh, oh, yeah, Grant Morrison, yep. Thank you, Grant Morrison. The, kid, the punk is about to commit suicide, and he talks to the boy. And then there's another one um, where uh, this woman was going to jump, and Superman flew up there. And uh, he's like, can I talk you down? She goes, I just want to sit here for a bit. He goes, okay, I'll sit, I'll stay with you. And he's hovering there with her for hours to the point where the police shine a spotlight on. She goes, that light's really bright. And Superman just looks down, heat vision and blasts the thing, <laughs> destroys, <laughs> destroys a spotlight from the Metropolis police and then continues to talk, wait with her, just wait with her until she wants to go down. So I wanted to really, and I realized that's who Superman is. He is just your friend. So. You have to find the, um, the, 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 these little nuances to these characters that are there, but they're rarely shown. And I feel if you can do that, if you can dig deeper than surface level, I'm Superman or I'm Batman, you'll be able to get such a deeper story and such a better understanding of who they are. And it'll be more satisfying to those who watch it. Um, and that's pretty much been um, how I operate in my dynamic with writing these stories and trying to do something different. Also, because I don't have a budget, it forces me to do that because I'm not able to indulge and do an empty uh, uh, piece where he's just punching holes through walls and stopping criminals. Ha ha, I got you. Um, I can't do any of that stuff. I have to rely 100% on the emotion. It's the only real element I have that I can sell to an audience over the empty, you know, Batman fight in a warehouse. Yeah. And I think that almost, and I'm going to link both of the two we're talking about in the description because they're phenomenal. And um, I think that makes it better taking away that ability to finance 
you know, to high yeah. heaven makes you dig so deep. And it worked out so, so good. I, I love those perspective films. They're so Thank good. You. I so, think also what it does is um, it's, it's training for me because if I ever get to do, say, a Superman movie, because I have done the perspective short and because I did End of an Era, which is also an emotional story too, I know that I will never have a Superman big feature film that is devoid of what it is to be Clark Kent, what it is to be Kal-El, what it is to be Superman. Um, so I, I, I think I would be able to tell a, a compelling big budget film now even better than I would if I didn't have those challenges you know, of not having a budget earlier on. Have you ever uh, thought about applying for DC? Because honestly, <laughs> what you're selling is a lot better than what I'm buying weekly. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Some of it is to. okay, but oh my God. <laughs> Some no, people just I, I don't understand. I absolutely would love to. Um, unfortunately, getting in there is really tough. And, oh yeah. Um, uh, I've tried. I don't think I would do well as a writer because i'm uh, uh, i want to i want to do more than just write i want to tell the story um i want to be a filmmaker for warner brothers and i want and i have this planned out perfectly i want to make a superman trilogy but i want to go in there with the intent of making the trilogy not oh we'll do one movie and if it does well we'll stitch on some secrets right. no, no, no we're going to make three superman movies and we're going to film them back to back to back and then we're going to release them sequentially one year apart and tell one fucking good story. And what story is that you haven't asked, but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do, um, I want to do the death reign and return of Superman. Oh, wow. That would a be a big project, but that would be great. Yeah. And I can even throw it in a fourth movie. The fourth movie is the first film, the establishing. So the coming of Superman, then right. the death of Superman, the reign of Superman and the return of Superman. So, the first film, Lex Luthor, it's going to be told through his perspective. How are you good? Well, I guess I could see that, but that would be a challenge for you. That would actually be the easiest part because <laughs> I have a really good understanding of who Lex Luthor is, and I would treat him as such. He is, if you know anything about uh, New York, he's John Gotti. This guy owns metropolis his family right. built metropolis uh, the monologue is actually in superman end of an era where he talks about his lineage i wrote all that and i'm going to stick to that that he feels it's his sandbox that's his sandbox his family built the sandbox filled the sandbox with the sand and everybody mm -hmm. in the sandbox owes him for doing so and everyone loves him He's generous. He's nice, but he's the sort. Lex Luthor is the sort of person who can walk around Metropolis in his pajamas and not fear getting mugged. Right. Exactly. That's how much of a baller he needs to be. And because he views himself as so benevolent, but also understanding that everybody is in his pocket and everybody only loves him because he has money. The idea of Superman, a godlike figure who's being nice just for the sake of being nice, drives him crazy. What is his deal? Why is he so nice? What does he want? When is the other shoe going to drop? I have to know. And I will go insane if I don't find out. That's basically Lex Luthor. And yeah. I think that is a compelling story. Not that he wants real estate or he wants to be a criminal mastermind or that he wants to rule the world. No, he does not understand why anybody would be nice for the sake of being nice. 
I love it. Drive him nuts. Yep, I love it. That's perfect. And then the death of Superman basically uh-huh. would feed in with. Um, I was trying to stay as loyal to the comic as possible. Doomsday right. crash lands on Earth in Central City. Try and get as many other superheroes in there as possible. Um, I think it was Hub City he crashed in, and he takes on the Blue Beetle and all that shit. Have him make his way to Metropolis. I'd want to have a really heartfelt scene where Lois is like, can you just be selfish just for once in your life and not do this? And Superman's like, I got to do what I got to do. And he goes off and fights and dies. And the movie ends with him dying. We do a post-credit scene with the, the, the four Superman appearing on Earth. The reign of Superman is entirely dedicated to just the reign. You have the clone. You have Man of Steel. You have the Eradicator and Cyborg Superman. And that is the whole movie. Um, and it, the movie ends with the cyborg Superman killing the eradicator, destroying coast city and building cyborg city. And then a post-credit scene is that Kal-El fucking returns. He's regenerated. Uh, and then, um, with, with the help of the eradicator and whatnot, and then return of Superman is him, no powers armed to the teeth with steel, try and get green lantern in there and uh Superboy, and they go and then the new eradicator and they go and they fucking take on Mongol and uh, uh, Hank Henshaw, as he is revealed, and it's that yeah. fight. And the movie ends with him getting his powers and his costume back, and then flying off at the end. Is it that fucking hard? No. No, but you have to understand, there's a people There's people that love the source material and would love that. And I think that's part of why, like, Amazon's Invincible was so good. It was so true to the source material. Yeah. And then you have the crazy on the other side. But here's <laughs> I want to play with their... T- uh, Play with their toys, Brad. You can take certain creative liberties, yet still honor the source material, okay? Exactly. I'm not saying that Superman has to have the red unders. I would prefer it, and I could make it work, because anything. Everyone's like, well, the red underwear doesn't work. He'd never wear that. Um, Excuse me, who made his costume? His mom. What is Superman (laughs) a mama's boy? Yep. You're telling me Superman is going to look his mother in the eye and go, no, mom, I'm not wearing that. No, no, he's gonna fucking wear that because his mommy made it for him, and he doesn't have the balls or the heart to say, "I don't like it." I love it, and then you can add in the scene from. And it's a done deal. Of, yeah, it's and like, you can it, add in the scene where he says, "My mom made it for me." Yeah, I, <laughs> I would love actually it. have him say that to Lois. Who, and I who love made that it. Costume? My mom made it. Oh, <laughs> that's so okay. perfect. That's it. That's it. Your line it explains everything. It's not going anywhere. Fucking deal with it. He has red underwear. Like there are so many ways, and they even made fun of this in. Um, uh, if you ever saw a uh, "Thank You for Smoking" um, with Aaron Eckhart, they he plays this uh, big tobacco. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and they're talking about how they're going to get cigarettes in the new Brad Pitt movie. And they're like, yeah, but you can't smoke in space. And they go, yeah, 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 well, we'll just think of some line like, oh, thank goodness we invented that blank that allows us to smoke in space. Uh-huh. It's so easy to just have a throwaway line that explains why everything is happening the way it is. Exactly, that gets rid of your plot holes there. So um, are there any actors that you've previously worked for in your earlier films that you'd love to kind of reunite with? Um, well, basically everybody who, uh, is still, you know, I'm still in touch with, and, you know, we haven't had any falling outs. I still work with actually. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I try my hardest to really maintain friendships and keep it going, but you know, I understand that not everything is forever. And some people we have falling outs and some people we just go our separate ways. Other people have, um, you know, quit the business altogether. Um, 
so there are some people that I do miss working with, but for the most part, I really try my hardest to just, you know, keep everybody who I'm still on good terms with working with me, even if I'm I'm currently on the West Coast and I have East Coast actors. Right. They've actually been gracious enough to uh, fly out and, you know, work in my movies. And so it's. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I really like the lady you had for Big Barda. Something about the way she talks is so endearing. Like she's adorable and she was so perfect for that role. I love that it. Was, uh, that was Rachel Zader. I miscredited her uh, by using her real name instead of her stage name, but she goes by Rachel Zader. Um, she's five foot ten, um, and uh, yeah, she had she had that that stocky look that I wanted, the broad shoulders. And people are like, "Oh, she she would have made a good Wonder Woman." Like, no, 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 she made a Barda, yeah, not a Wonder Woman, a Barda. She was perfect. I love it. And Mister Miracle and Big Barda are two of my favorite characters in the DC, and I and not a lot of people appreciate them the way they should be. And that was so perfect. I loved it. I feel so, that with uh, Big Barda, A, no one has explored that character really. Yep. And after hearing that the New Gods uh, movie was canceled, I'm like, okay, well, maybe we dodged the bullet here because I'm not too happy with the DCEU right now. And oh, someone yeah. tells me they were not going to have the humor or even tackle the suburban elements of, of Barda and Scott. And I thought yes. that is probably the best version of them. The apocalypse stuff is is great prologue and it's good backstory, but seeing seeing essentially, you know, a six foot six god having to live life among mortals exactly. is hilarious to me. I know. I love some of my favorite parts, and I, I've talked about it on my channel so many times. Um, Tom King's Mr. Miracle. Some of the best parts of that are when they're fighting and talking about what they're going to do with the condo. Like it's yeah. just the normal marriage stuff, but it's the best part of it. Like it's so I good. I love it. I um, think uh, uh, there was, um, I, I was reading an issue and I found out that apparently Barda is a bit of a fetishist. And so she's into hardcore domination with Mr. Miracle. So there's this one uh, scene where she ties his ass up like leather straps oh, and everything. Yeah. She strips and she goes, "Escape this." I love oh, it. it so perfect. <laughs> um, are there any of your previous films that you've already done that you could go back and redo or kind of update? Oof! Oh, <laughs> hitting my heart over the, here. <laughs> he's the hard balls. No, uh, yes, there are actually, um, and I have remade a couple of my shorts. Um, I would say personally, I would like to, um, you know what? I'm going to IMDb myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I did the same thing to you Honestly, earlier. It's the easiest way to go about doing stuff like this. Um, I would personally like to, um, let's see here. I'm going to go to the earlier years. So the Nightmare Ends in Halloween from 2004, I definitely could use a remake just because I shot the thing on home video. Now I yeah. did do the part two in 2011, which was better, but I would like to do a, uh, a nicer version of it in HD with better makeup and special right. effects. As long as you um, don't say Zatanna, we're good. I loved that one too. No, no, Zatanna's fine. I, I think that's Perfect. funny as is. I'm. I really wouldn't want to remake anything that is uh, after uh, the 2010 time frame. I think 10 years is sufficient. So probably, let's see here. Um, in terms of fan films, I would probably want to remake the Mr. J series just because. I mean, I'm physically not capable of doing it, but if I physically was capable of acting as Joker right. again, I would want to 
um, have a better set because we just shot an apartment. I would love to have right. you know Arkham setting and um, fix up some of the angles because I myself didn't film that. Uh, my ex was shooting it, and because I was busy acting, I didn't focus one hundred percent on the angles. And we broke the one eighty rule. We broke eye level. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking. Actually, I'm looking up here, and Superman's looking here, and it doesn't add up. Stuff like that bothered me. Um, and then let's see. I actually did remake. Um, I did a a Jack Burton Snake Plissken crossover back in two thousand five called Escape Big Trouble in New Jersey. And then I remade it in 2010 and called it Escape from New Jersey. Reworked the script a little bit, but for the most part, it was the same. Um, oh, and my Darkman uh, series. I remade my uh, 2012 Darkman short and made that episode one. So I literally did remake that. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So you... I, I'm pretty good in, ter uh, in terms of what I would really want to remake for the most part. Everything turned out decently. I, there's very few of my... Shorts that I look at and just cringe and go, oh, God, what was I thinking? <laughs> I've looked back at a couple of my first videos, and I'm real monotone. I try to make my voice real deep, and it, it just, I'm like, oh, my God, please, no. So walk us through the process. Kind of you're, you're deciding you wanted to make a fan film. You, you, you thought about characters. What, what's the first step that you really go? Is it the script? Is it the actor's? Um, there's a couple of ways that I go about choosing what I'm going to do next. Sometimes, for example, um, all right, I have a wish list on my Facebook of characters that I would like to make one day. So uh, about three years ago, Casey Jones was on there. And I go, ah, I'd love to do a Casey Jones you know, fan film one day. Mm -hmm. And my friend who played Casey Jones the first time messaged me and he goes, let's do it. And I'm like, well, if you get a mask... I can make it happen. He bought a mask. I go, okay, well, step one is taken care of. I guess I'm making a Casey Jones movie now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And that was that. You know, I, I just went straight ahead and we did Casey Jones. Um, other times, I actually do polls on uh, my channel and my Facebook mm -hmm. where I go, what should I make next? And people submit and I have rules. Like, you know, I hate doing verse movies now because everyone always just says verses and it's so mindless, you know? Right. I understand so, that. Once um, I get enough decent suggestions, I put that to a vote and I let people decide what I should do. Uh, so, for example, Zatanna was actually voted by people and Zatanna went up against, um, I believe at the time, uh, Zatanna, possibly Squirrel Girl, and I think um, maybe uh, 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 Super Mario. I, I'm trying. Oh, well, that's an easy choice. <laughs> yeah, and everyone chose Zatanna, so I, I, I went ahead and did that. And then other times when I'm just straight up inspired, um, you know, I talk to my actors and I go, what are some type of roles that you want to play? And how Big Barda came about was uh, I was talking with Laura Van Eyck, who is one of um, my actors, and I've been working mm -hmm. with her for three years. She's fantastic. And I said, what is the type of role that she would want to play? And she said to me, um, I want to do something like Frenzy. Now, Frenzy is one of my original characters, and I have uh, three episodes of Frenzy on my channel. And she's right. just straight up bonkers. You know, she's the psychotic female <laughs> maniac. And she goes, I want to do something like that. And I'm like, okay, well, we can't do Frenzy, obviously. So let me look. And um, I was looking up crazy characters. And immediately I thought of, you know, Man Harriet, but I wanted to you know, play the field. And I looked up Harley Quinn. I'm like, I'm not doing Harley Quinn. But I kept going back to Man Harriet each time. And I go, okay. Let's try and do Man Harriet. And I told her about the character. She goes, that sounds cool. 
So I looked up Mad Harriet and saw what I could find. And there was her crappy appearance on Smallville, which was not mad at all. They literally gave her a Freddy Krueger claw. Like, that's how lazy they were. Oh, I don't um, even remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, they had um, Granny Goodness show up. And I think they had a couple of the new gods show up on Smallville. It was later, in the later seasons. Oh, but that's why. Basically, Mad Harriet is just in, like, a, a, a tank top with, like, green pants. Uh, it was a oh, gray boy. tank top, green pants. And then she had a silver Freddy Krueger claw. Like, it was literally... <laughs> The Freddy Krueger claw, and oh she my scratches gosh. it against the wall like Freddy Krueger, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Oh my so gosh, she did up, a great um, Mad Harriet, though. It was bad. Then I looked up. Uh, I remember she was on Justice League International or Justice League Unlimited. I looked that up, and she had no real lines. So I was trying to get an idea of the personality. You know, I read it, right. but I wanted to see how it was portrayed. I looked up Superhero Girls. She didn't really have much to say or do there either. And I'm like, damn it, this chick has nothing. The most I found, the most personality I saw was in the Lego game where you could play Mad Harriet and you see her when she stands still, she kind of moves like this yeah. and twitches here and in there. Villains? Like yeah. Yeah, that, I remember that. <laughs> that was literally the extent of, 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 of all I could find on Mad Harriet that was actually useful to me. So I went with that. <laughs> and I based her entire personality off of the lego game it and, worked out um, great thank you and so i started uh, uh trying to figure out a story i'm like okay unfortunately i can't film on apocalypse so i'd have to do this on earth right um, in order to pull that off now i have to bring in barda and that's when the story shifted from being a mad harriet story to a big barda story and that was pretty much all she wrote after that but that was the genesis here is you know i i, I wanted to do something nice for someone and then I create a story for them and make it work. So those are really the ways that I think. And as I said, sometimes I just straight up go, I want to do X. And then I, I make X happen. I love it. That's perfect. Are you working on anything currently? Yes. Um, so today I actually did some pickup shots for my powdered toast man short film. <laughs> awesome. It's going to be terrifying. Oh boy. And funny. But, um, in, in in the style and humor of uh, Ren and Stimpy, it's definitely nuts. It's it's just a, a messed up story. Uh, that's all I could say. And it should be horrifying, hopefully. Um, and then, um, let's see, this weekend, this weekend, I actually begin production on my new Powerpuff Girls short film. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I, uh, I had Are you going to do it in CW style? Please tell me now. <laughs> no, because I had read that script and it was terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. I hated it so much um, that it compelled me to make a new one because I remember when they announced it and they go, Diablo Cody's doing a Powerpuff Girls uh, series. Uh, everybody check out Chris's thing and people come to my channel. I go, oh, right. cool. I'm getting free press. That's great. But then I heard rumors that it was going to be dark and gritty. And I'm like, what? You, you can't do a dark and yeah. gritty. Powerpuff Girls doesn't work like that. They're happy characters. Exactly. And then, I, and then there was the script leak. And I go, what? I read the script. I, I had a conniption. <laughs> I did not believe that so not, only, not only did this make it, this was their, their shooting script, but they shot it. They spent like $5 million to make this thing happen. And now they just burned all that money because they're they're back to the drawing board. What the hell? Who who at CW looked at the script and goes, 
oh, this is great. Yeah, this is exactly what we wanted. Did anybody stop and go, hey, guys, um, this has nothing to do with Powerpuff Girls. What are you doing here? No, no, they just they fucking shot the damn thing. So I said, okay, all right, fine. I was I, I was cool with you trying to make it dark and gritty, but if this if this was your idea, and I know that they're reshooting it now, but if this was where you originally wanted to go, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to do everything that you wouldn't do. So, That's um, perfect. My Powerpuff Girls story is still going to be them as adults, mm -hmm. um, except they love each other. They love the professor. Sarah Bellum is not a hippie. And um, the show or the, the, the episode, the short film will have heart to it. It will have um, something in there that'll make every Powerpuff Girls fan go, oh, oh that's right awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was something. Wow. I, I, I'm assuming that one's going to be pretty big because that whole subject was pretty big for a while. Looking at those, I just, like, I know the CW's gone downhill. I get it, but I didn't realize how far until that came out. They made Riverdale look good by comparison. Do you have any idea yeah. how difficult that is? <laughs> I've never seen it. I've never had an interest. <laughs> I have seen, I have seen things. Oh my gosh. Shit that'll make you turn white. I have oh my. seen beams off the coast of the Tannhauser Gate. I'm telling you, there is some fucked up shit in that goddamn script. And I have seen uh, 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 clips from Riverdale. And I had, like, there literally is a scene in Riverdale where Archie looks to these kids. They're in some sort of like juvenile detention center. And he goes, they go, you know, we don't want to go to school. We're happy being, you know, punks. And he goes, you will never understand the epic highs and lows of high school. Archie, uh, shut the uh, fuck up, okay? There are no epic highs and lows of high school. It sucks unless you're pretty. Oh, oh you're my pretty. God. Fucking you. <laughs> it's, I, I, I seen like the casting and when it originally come out, I'm like, cool, Archie. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm staying yeah. far away. Staying away from that, from Batgirl, from yeah. all of it. It's I, bad. I'm not a fan of Batwoman either. Uh, or Batwoman. I yeah, said girl. It's too much to handle, and um, Powerpuff Girls just went over the top for me, and I, yep. I, I, I had it. And I'm like, look, I already did Power Girls Justice once. However, my first short film was more of a PSA, so it technically isn't Power Girls because it's a child's imagination and then all that. So I, right. thought, I thought to myself, what if I did an actual narrative, a full Powerpuff Girls narrative as adults, just to show them how it's done because I'm a spiteful bastard. <laughs> I love it. It's going to be awesome. So last question for you. You do both horror and superheroes, right? I mean, you do more than that, but I mean, your main genres, which one do you prefer? Which one do you have more fun with? Okay. So it's kind of a, a, a mix for me because I actually have done also superhero horror. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's <laughs> the pinnacle for me is to right. be able to tell a superhero horror story. Like when I did the the Batman Dante one, I wanted Batman to be treated like he was Michael Myers when he showed right. up. You know, I wanted him to be scary. We never see yep. his eyes, just black. Um, so I love scaring people. That's really, really fun. Um, but I also really love inspiring people. So it's it's a equal even for me i i wouldn't be able to pick it just depends on the mood or the season if it's if it's towards the fall i'm a horror guy if it's any other time of the year i want to do a superhero story and then there are just times where i want to do a superhero story with horror elements to it um i think that uh is is the best way to go yeah i think that makes a lot of sense i love 
I love the inspirational feel because it really does lack in current. Like when I watched uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I was so shocked because I go from DC to these people that are willing to kill. And then I go to your channel and I'm like, okay, here we are. We're good. <laughs> like I back to normal. If a superhero isn't inspiring someone, then they're not doing a good job. Yeah, they exactly. saved the day. But how hard is it to make people feel good about themselves while watching it? Um, and I've seen hollowed versions of it, like in Wonder Woman uh, 1984. They played the song uh, from Sunshine when she learns how to fly. And yeah. so that rang hollow because it's like, first off, why are you stealing music from a way better movie? And two... Why is she suddenly learning to fly? And where was all this flying? Did she forget how to fly in the last 35 years? Like Exactly. It was so, so weird. But though, I will say in the first one, when she goes in the No, no Man's, Man's Land, Land, every time I tear up, I every misty, single I time. I during No Man's Land, yes. And I felt that... It, that's the thing, too. How do you go from No Man's Land to yep. the Adagio uh, uh, song? It's so... It's, 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 it's polar opposites, night and day. And it's and sadly, same director, same actor. Like, yeah, there's no coming back. There's no excuse for that. But the No Man's Land, I, I feel, was a perfect inspirational moment. The only thing that could have been better, the only thing that could have made that scene possibly yeah. better, was when someone, if someone said to her, "That's No Man's Land," she goes, "I am No Man," and climbs up. That's the only oh, way. Oh, that would have been, been so good. I know, and that I would have been perfect. I would have been like, yeah. But no, it wasn't. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I love it, but that's the only thing that would have made that scene just a little better. Oh my gosh, I never even could. That's so good. I love it's so that part. Easy. Uh huh. It really is. So, do you plug yourself? Tell you know what your your channel. I'm gonna put everything in the description and in the pinned comment, just so you know. But you know, tell everyone what you're you're working on. I mean, I know you did a little bit, but your little commercial time. Go for well, it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um. You can catch me at my channel, Blinky500. I'm also Blinky500 on all social media. It should be listed right there below. Um, yep. I also have uh, graphic novels, which are available uh, for free on Amazon Kindle if you have an account. Or you can buy hard copies uh, on Amazon. Well, not on Amazon. Hard copies on barnesandnobles.com. Just search my name and they'll come up. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically, uh, so please like, share, and subscribe to my channel. Um, if I cross a uh, hundred thousand views, uh, or sorry, a hundred thousand subscribers by, um, October, I'm going to do, uh, I'll revisit Michael versus Jason and, and do like a, a new Michael versus Jason film. Cause I know a lot of people really like slugfest movies. So I'm, I'm willing to compromise my artistic integrity for the sake <laughs> of that beautiful, beautiful 100,000 subscribers plaque that YouTube sends you. I oh, want yeah. one. I want to hang it on my wall. This is not my wall. It's a curtain. I want to hang it over here, <laughs> but you can't see it, but you get the idea. And it's going to go here. I'm going to stare at it every day. It'd be awesome, and I want it. So I uh, would love to get 100,000 subscribers, uh, preferably in the next uh, couple of months. Anyway, apart from that, um, if you're a fan of fan films, uh, horror movies, or original content, even radio plays, I do audio dramas, uh, check out my channel. I have something for everybody, and I promise you, you will find something that you like. That is the that is the the blinky guarantee. You will find something that you like on my channel. I second that. I was I was beyond impressed. So we'll try to get you at a hundred thousand. Thank you. <laughs> I know that that is the ultimate goal. Just that plaque is so cool. 
I know. And I'll get a check mark next to my name and I'll be right for the first time in my life. <laughs> you see me now, Father? I'm important. I have oh a my check gosh, mark next so to my name and a placard. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for watching. Again, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. I, I loved it. You you made an entertaining, fun time. I really appreciate you. Thank you. I am down for any time. I, I love doing this sort of thing. And okay. uh, thank you. Thank you again. We'll have for you back me. on. All right. Thank you. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.